Blog Talk Radio. Again, we're really depleted at the running back position. We talked about if you had Darren in the mix, you talked about number one, number two, and number three running back in here. You're starting quarterback, starting the season in here. So our receivers are making plays. I think Mets is doing a great job within the offense. Making plays, making the right reads, throwing accurate balls for the most part. So, again, we have become more balanced over the last two weeks, and we'll probably have to continue that throughout the season. Again, are we going to become a four wide receiver spread off? No. Uh, we do have to mix in the run. We do have to mix in the action. But uh, probably out of necessity, you'll see more balance and maybe even the times more lead towards the pass. And uh, again, the head coach, I don't care. I don't care if we go out and run the wishbone if it gives us our best opportunity to win games. And uh, that's what we're in the business of doing to win games. What's going on, Minor Nation? I'm Anthony Simone, live with another episode of the Rush Podcast here with Alex Nicholas. What's good, everybody? What's good? Balance. Balance is the word of the day, apparently. Balance is the topic of this podcast. It may sound boring, but if you're a UTEP fan, you're welcome in balance. So what's good? Another victory, if you want to call it that, of sorts this past weekend. Conference play starts this week, so let's just jump right into it, man. Where do you want to start out? You want to start out this the uh what do you want to call it? The uh transgressions or the, the football game, the sixty minutes of football that went down last Saturday. Give me your general thoughts, bro. Uh it's not what I wanted to see to start off. Uh Definitely felt like this team should have been able to handle a team like Incarnate Word much easier than they did, even though it turned out to be a 10-point game. Um, I mean, that was a tie ball game. With You know, as we entered the fourth quarter, a few minutes into the fourth, it's a tie ball game. And I don't know, that's just not the type of ball game that you want to be in. Um, I mean, it says a lot that these that these kids continue to scrap and fight and just kind of grind their way to, to a couple of victories here. Because they could very easily be 0-4 at this point. I mean, easily. the other team's way. But the biggest thing that, that, that catches my eye is, is Coach Cougar's um, inability or just lack of desire to, to be that balanced offense. In the first half. In the first In half. In a game plan. It, it's obvious that he went into this. And I, and I called it last week. And not that it took a rocket scientist to call it. But he was going to go out and try to run the ball against that team and try to go back to what he wants to do. And I just don't get it because, you know, what we saw out of that team for the first three quarters or, you know, maybe a little less was basically them just playing down to their level. And finally they become that balanced team. They they open up the passing game and look what happens. You know, we score 10 points, defense gets a little, you know, boost and they come up with some stops that they weren't getting already on behind the line of scrimmage. I just, I just want to see – I want to see that balance that he's talking about. I want to see it on a regular basis. I don't want to just see it when he needs to go to that. I want that to be the game plan going into the ball game. You start you start trying to do that stuff against even a team like UTSA, chances are you're going to fall behind 10 or 14 points and you're not going to be able to come back from that. I just want to see that balance from the opening kickoff. Yeah, that game plan was just horrific. Um, you're following us on Twitter. You know that I wasn't a big fan of that one. I mean, that, it's, it was a shitty game plan. Let's just let's stop, you know, bullshitting about it. It was a really shitty game plan. I mean, it just it was the same deal. Um, you know, UTEP defense, one of our commenters, just had a tremendous, tremendous take on one of my items uh, over the weekend explaining, um, you know, exactly what's going on. That that it's it seems like, you know, he was basically talking about um, – you know, the way teams have been able to crash on us, the way teams have been able to just go downhill backside off of our guys at pool. But the, the base is, is it's, teams are, are starting to figure out not only our play call, but they're starting to figure out the blocking schemes that we have. And that's been kind of the strong point of this team has been that offensive line, them, their ability to execute those, those blocking schemes. We're talking about pools. You're talking about double teams, just straight one-on-one man blocking, base blocking. And that's really what you're seeing is you're just seeing a team like Cardinal Word who personally, I think they have a better defense in New Mexico State. Maybe not in the back end, 
But in the front six, that's a better defense in New Mexico State. And Sean Cougar was kind of right. There may be a couple of teams. I wouldn't stretch more than two in the conference that may have worse defenses than that. But at the same time, though, I mean, it's, it's that same bullshit we've been talking about. And the funny thing, though, is last week Cougar said the exact same acronym, whatever you want to talk about, what, what you've been saying, putting that square peg in that round hole. Well, for 30 minutes of a football game last Saturday, that's exactly what they did. I mean, that was the Mac Leftwich game plan with a guy like Ryan Metz, who we know. There's no explanation about it. We know that he can stretch the field. No diversity to come out. This After that pick six, you're up 7-3. You get the stop. Why not open up the pass game there instead of just three three runs and a cloud of dust? I mean, that was the perfect opportunity to open this offense up after a defensive turnover, something ever, not even a defensive turnover, a positive defensive sequence. And why not turn this tide? And that's what we're going to get into. The identity of this football team has to change for them to not just win games. It's not about winning games at this point because we know we're depleted at running back. That's another issue with the running game. L.A. looked great against New Mexico State and so did and both of the Foster brothers. But like I said, Incarnate Word is a better defense in New Mexico State. Our lack of speed at the tailback position, we have a bunch of power backs now. That was exposed. And Cooler should have realized that after the fifth, sixth carry, where we were averaging one point, whatever it was, a kick. And you got to get your speed out there. And that was just, it just was frustrating to see. And I'm pretty sure the other 21,000 people that were there felt the same deal. Because, I mean, that was just, it was, it was unexcusable when you have that much speed and you have that much talent in your pass game and your skill position, where you're just turning around and running into a brick wall. That can't happen, and like you said, let's not harp on this too much because it seems like we're broken records as a couple podcasts, but, I mean, something's got to change, and that gets into this identity. My biggest question to you is if UTEP is able to spread this field, start putting up points in the first half, how much will that help the defense? Not really so much relax, but it allows them to play with some some room for mistakes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the one thing is – when your offense is playing well, your defense feeds off of that. Your defense feeds off that energy. And and I think that it's not even giving them more room for error. It's just it's just giving them that extra confidence. You see your offense go out there and produce and get you a touchdown, you turn around, you want to get off that, that ball right back. So I mean I think that's the biggest thing. If they can if they can if they can just manage to kind of put some sustained drives together capitalize with, you know, at least field goals, if not touchdowns, you know, on a regular basis and get those points. I mean, you talk about this past game. We only had three offensive points at half. I mean, that just can't happen. And at one point, our, our average starting position was at, the, was at our own 44-yard line, and we were averaging 3.5 yards a play. Yeah. I would expect that against Arkansas, maybe even Texas Tech. And Cardinal Word? Hell, bro. Hell, no. But, but, you know, that's definitely something that, that they've got to start being able to do, and that, and that's why that, that the game planning, the scheming from the beginning, coming in and knowing what you're going to do as far as opening up the playbook and opening up the passing game. And like Coach Cougar said, are you going to become a four wide, spread it out, air it out offense? No, of course not. But, and this is nothing that I've mentioned a million times, and I probably sound like a broken record with. When you start to open up the pass game, you keep the defense honest. They can't crowd the box, and now you the run game you give yourself an opportunity to be successful in that run game when you don't have those speedster guys that you had when you lose your Aaron Jones now you can't just rely on saying hey I'm going to go run run the ball at you come and stop me you can do that with Aaron Jones when you're yeah. dealing with the guys that are more your power backs more finesse runners and not speed guys not they're going to make you miss you know you have to give them every advantage that they can possibly get so when you're able to move the ball when you're able to open up the passing game early you give the, the run game a chance to succeed and again, that that is going to help the defense more than anything. Again, not just room for error, but it's going to allow them to gain some confidence. And I guarantee you, if the offense is playing better, the defense will play better. I'm not saying that we're going to turn into a top 25 defense all of a sudden, but they'll get you those stops that you need that we haven't seen them get so far this year. We've seen some times where we've been on the field in third and seven situations, third and six situations where you're just like, get off the field now. You know, we saw it a few times against Texas Tech from the opening possession where we couldn't get off the field. And I feel like, again, that, that little confidence boost will help these guys to make those type of plays, get you off the field, keep you in ball games, to give you a chance to win. And then the risk of turnovers and drops, it seems like 
a lot of people coming in this season, and my, myself included, a lot of questions about the wide receivers. And all they've done is come in and, and been consistent. You look at guys like Jaquan White, he's being targeted 17.9% with a 78.9 catch rate. Tyler Batson has been a tremendous merge for this team. This is a guy that has an 80% catch rate. His target rate was up 4% this week, up to 9.4. Hayden Plink, I mean, this is a guy that needs to get more involved, 71.4% catch rate, 13.2. I think we're going to see Ryan Metz sort of rely on him. And, and I think these receivers allow for that that in that shell mode where Cougar's been in the passing game, I hope that that could kind of get him out of it because these guys can make plays. I mean, we haven't even talked about Cole Freytag or Atre Golden. Cole Freytag is becoming one of our better possession receivers next to Jaquan White. I mean, you, and just like you said, it's not about spreading out four wide and throwing every down, but you, you just got to be able to take some pressure off your offensive line. And like you said, help these running backs able to get into that second level without having – three or four guys already in the front of him and having your offensive line just overmanned and overpowered there. And that's really going to be a big key. And, and you know, honestly, I, I think I did see some defensive improvement. I, I really saw, you know, of course, if you look at the game, if you were really watching the game, I mean, that was how, what, four or five missed opportunities for Cardinal Ward to kind of put this game almost maybe not out of reach, but to get that sideline even more jacked than what they were, talking about two or three missed uh, passes. The one that stands out in my mind is when they're driving towards the Durham Center and that quarterback just overthrew that. Why that running back or receiver was in the flats off that screen. That would have been a demoralizing play. But at the same time, you're seeing guys like Kalon Beverly with the interception, better coverage. We didn't yeah. really get burned. I, first of all, I want to say a few things. First of all, the interception to Kalon Beverly. That was a gift. That was that was put right in his hands, and there was nobody in his way back to the end zone. Don't get me wrong; you still have to catch the ball, you still have to take it back to the house. But that was given to us. We got we got to start making plays on our own. But that defense definitely has to figure out a way not only to just stop the 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 the, the screen game because that 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 was something that you harped on and that you talked about how how badly we're being beat by the screen, but. If that kid from Incarnate Word, Britain or whatever, the, yeah. if he could throw a deep ball, I told you that during the game, we wouldn't even have been in the game because there were three, four, five opportunities that they, they had where he just threw him, underthrew him, whatever it might be. But, I mean, we got to figure out a way to not lose that step or two on the outside going deep down the sidelines because everybody's done it to us so far. Luckily for us, you know, Incarnate Word wasn't able to, to kind of capitalize on that or else we might have lost that game for those simple plays there. Yeah, and you, you saw some things on the defensive line where Robertson kind of got going. Sky Logan, the Juco transfer, had a sack. Alvin Jones, it started to become that Alvin Jones we saw last year. But it, there's still it's still issues in the secondary. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's you're looking at guys like Ish Harrison and, and Tron Robertson that were supposed to make big strides and help this defense, but they you can tell they definitely have missed that practice time. So now you're having two or three weeks now where they've had practice, they've had games. This is a big chance for this defense to redeem themselves before conference play. And that's really, as much as we're talking about, you know, the offensive balance, which I think the offensive balance will help the defense, but the defense has to help themselves. Like you said, they have to continue to just grind away. I mean, it it really, that's all this team is going to have to do. We're so depleted with injuries. I mean, you're seeing how much of an impact, I think I even said this last week, Devin Cockerell being out, is such a huge impact. It's just showing me how good of a player he really is when you're seeing this defense that's just lost in the secondary at times. That's really got to improve. And UTSA is improved in their passing game in a big way. Talking about their athletes, you're talking about their quarterback's decision-making. It's just so much that's going to be tested in this game. So many weaknesses that we've seen is going to be tested again. And I think this is really a turning point that says whether this team can, can be in conference play or if they start thinking about next year, which is probably going to be a much better year with everybody coming back. But I don't know the coaching staff isn't thinking about that. I know the players aren't thinking about that. They don't deserve that. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, this this game is really going to test where this defense is at. No doubt about it. And I see these teams very similar coming in in the sense that they're both still trying to find their identity. Um, we've both had some losses, obviously us to injury, them to graduation. But both teams are just trying to figure out where they're at. Uh, and UTSA comes in at 0-4, but, I mean, they 
they be one of the top on fourteen. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They, I mean, they've played, they've played a really, really tough schedule, so it's hard to gauge exactly where they're at. The one thing that we can definitely say is that they are going to be tested coming in. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is the this is the game right here that's going to either allow us to turn that corner and make a run at another bowl game, or you know, we lose this one. We drop to two and three, and I realize there's still plenty of time left in the season. But you put yourself behind the eight ball, and you're in a tough spot trying to come back to, to win. Uh, you know, five out of the last seven games or whatever it is to try to make it back to the ball eligibility. So um, it, it's definitely going to be a big game for the Miners, and we'll see if they're if they're at game for it. Looking at UTSA, and, you know, I, I, a lot of their fans have been saying it, even Coach Cougar said it. I mean, some of their players that they kind of had either in the wings or they recruited are much better than the talent that they had last year. Um, you know, you're talking about guys that were recruited to play at the FCS level, weren't expected to be competing like UTSA has been competing in, in, in conference USA. And it really, to me, you, you look at a team and, you know, the, you look at a team, always look at their quarterback. To me, it's a running back, uh, Jarvion Williams. I mean, this kid has really, really came onto the scene uh, this year, had a big 90-yard run, kind of looked like an NFL-type speed on that breakaway. This guy that's averaging 6.1 yards per carry. His big play yards average, he's averaging 6.2 for, for his opportunities. I think that's going to be a key. For UTSA. They're going to come in here. They're going to try to run the football, try to control that line of scrimmage. UTEP's been very decent. I'm not going to say they've been great. I'm going to say they haven't been bad against the run. That's going to be another matchup here. And then another big guy that you got to look at. I mean, this guy's a highlight monster in the half. David Morgan, their tight end, 6'4, 260. This guy, I hope he doesn't get shot for the NFL because he went to UTSA. Because, I mean, this kid's legit. 6'4", 260, like I mentioned. This guy's got 8.9 yards per target, 68% catch rate. I mean, the guy, 17 receptions, second on their team in receptions, and he's the second highest targeted guy. Going back to their quarterback, Bogan shoots. This is a guy that really is, you get pressure on him, he's going to make mistakes. But if you let him sit back there with a clean pocket, this kid can pick you apart. Look at the Arizona game. The kid just had all sorts of time boot with Arizona's three-man rush. And they have some decent receivers. Aaron Grubb, one of those 5'8 slot receivers that UTEP always seems to struggle with this year. They're not really a vertical offense. They're more sideline to sideline with that bubble screen. Um, you know, not not too much to really worry about in terms of what they do. But like I said, if you get this kid executed, get that, you get that quarterback executing, you get their offensive line going, you get this Jarvion Williams, and not even to mention the other guy they have back there, a little freshman, uh, Jalen Rhodes. He's a little shifty guy too, kind of a one-cut uh, one guy. And then you look at their defense, really their defense has struggled. And you can say, well, they played some of the top offenses in the nation with Oklahoma State, uh, you know, and Arizona. But the guy that really stands out to me from watching them is Michael, I hope I say his last name right, but Michael Iguagu. I mean, guy is like a de facto extra linebacker. That's something I, I really hope that UTEP is able to recruit somebody like him in the future in that 4-2-5 where you can put him up in the line, you can put him on coverage, two pass breaks ups, a sack. A uh, couple tackles for loss, 8.7% of the team's for, uh, tackles. This guy is everywhere. That is really a big key. Their defensive line, stout in the run game, but they're not getting much pass rush out of there, which is kind of what we haven't been accustomed to with UTSA. They've been really good with their pass rush up front. Really, very similar like blitzes. I think this is a really solid team, but like you said, I think the mental psyche of both teams are even in this one. And that the team that basically does not shoot themselves in the foot and puts themselves behind the eight balls in the win. So it's, it's a tough, tough matchup for UTEP. But I really think if they come out and execute a, a great offensive game plan and don't get burnt too many times on defense, keep it respectable, there is a small chance UTEP can win this game. But I'm just i I'm just having a hard time seeing the Miners just coming out and just dominating a team like this. It's really hard for me to see, and especially in this game, the way we've been really. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Miners are going to dominate anybody this year, to be completely honest yeah. with you. Um, we just don't have – we don't have the most explosive offense, first of all, um, to run away from anybody or dominate anybody. But the defense is, is – from what we've seen so far, we're going to be keeping a lot of teams in the game. Um, but I definitely I, – I, I mean, I think UTSA is a little further behind than we thought a couple weeks ago. Um, so I don't think – you know, I know you're kind of skeptical about – whether or not the miners are going to be able to control this one and 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 uh, pick up a win here, but I think this is going to be a pretty close game. I don't think that 
that UTSA is going to be able to get behind our, our secondary like we've seen um, some other teams do, even though they do like to spread the ball and run. Talk about David Morgan, the second, already got 17 grabs. He's their only downfield threat. Yeah, he is. But, you know, they, they do like to spread around. I'm looking here, what is it, six different receivers already have four catches or more. Three of them have 12 or more. And Aaron Grubbs actually got 19 catches. So they definitely like to spread it around a bit. But I think this is going to be a, a kind of just a, a slug it out game, man. Yeah. It, it's not going to be it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be, you know, offensively. There's not going to be a whole lot of scoring, I don't think. Um, I got to disagree with you on that. You think it's going to be gonna back be and forth? Out. I think it's. I don't know about back and forth, but I think there's going to be some points. For I, I really think that UTSA is going to be able to open up their offense. I think UTEP is going to be able to catch them slipping too, because UTSA is suspect. If we if if we open up the pass down the pass down field with our speed and the guys that we have, but I think it's going to be a shootout. I guess it could be, but. I don't know. Something just tells me that both these teams just offensively are not are not the firepower. I mean, I don't know. They're just they're not very strong right now. And I just def, I think it's going to be a, a more of a slug it out type game, just a defensive battle in a sense. Even though these aren't the best defenses either, but I just think it's going to be that type of kind of sloppy game. Uh, nobody's really going to look good. I mean, I think we'll get into the high twenties, low thirties, but I can't see it getting much higher than that. I don't know. Hey, you're entitled to take. I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking at your phone. Am I? <laughs> what, what, what's you're what's scaring this? me, man? You're scaring me. I, I just. I don't know. I just. I, I have this sense that this is gonna be like you said, one of those slug it out games. But... If UTSA comes out and is scoring early, man, and they are pushing for a for a shootout, we're in trouble. I think, and I think that's what they're gonna we're, try I don't to think, do. I don't. I just don't see even even if we open up the pass game from the beginning. I just think there's too many loose ends here, man, for us to come out and try to hang in, in a 40-point game or something like that. I just, I just don't see it happening. I, I, and Ryan Metz, I trust. That's the only reason why I'll give us the opportunity to game because Ryan Metz has proven that he can ball. I mean, this is a kid that has really came in and, and has kind of forced, you know, forced the game plan in a sense. You know what I mean? It, where he's kind of force it where you got to get out of that you got to get you got to get your best athletes in the position to win and that's really what we're seeing with a guy like Mets and I tweeted out some inform, uh, some stats on him that really are like a telltale of why UTEP should come out with this aggressive style which I think UTSA is going to come out with an aggressive style and try to put up as many points as they can Ryan when UTEP has trailed this year Ryan is 28 out of 39 for 300 yards and four touchdowns and that, now that's in what six quarters of play, you start in, in two quarters. But this is the most – this right here should really be telling. On second down, Mets is 11 out of 12, 170 yards, two touchdowns. He's had seven first downs on those on those second down plays, and seven of those plays have gone for 15 yards or more. I mean, that is really the key. You've got to let this guy go. You've got to let these receivers go out there and play the game. We saw how that worked in the last minute. I mean, we look like a – we look like a Mike Price team again in the last four minutes of that New Mexico State game. Yeah, there for I mean, a second. I'll definitely say, and I'm going to be, you know, negative about this because definitely when we've let, when the coaching staff has let Ryan Metz kind of just go out there and just, just go with it and just play football, he's shown exactly what he can do. He's shown that, you know, he can lead, you know, a game tying drive in the closing minutes from 98 yards away. I mean, he's shown. Oh, no timeout. With no timeout. <laughs> He's shown a lot of the as a freshman, but I will say that that in some of these situations where it has been opened up, you know, the defense is kind of is kind of uh, you know, for instance, in this New Mexico State game where he led that 98 yard drive, it's, it's a great accomplishment. Don't get me wrong, it's a great drive. But you're also in a position where the defense is willing to bend and bend and yeah. bend and bend. You're going to look a lot better. Your stats are going to get a lot more padded. Now, the fact that he was able to finish that drive off is, is you know, that says everything you need to know about what type of, of guy this guy is, what type of player, what type of quarterback. But some of some of the, the, the stats, I think, are padded just from the situations where he was put in, where he started to throw. Um, but, again, man, I you got – you got to come out early on. You got to let it. You got to let this team just kind of just go with it. Just go out there and play football. That's all it is. Quit trying to. Quit trying to control everything. You know. Quit trying to be stubborn and and hold on to whatever game planning and scheme, scheming you want to do. I mean, you got to let these guys get out, play some football, and that's going to be the, give them their best chance to be successful. And the best the best thing <laughs> for us is an old type of thing that really worked in that second half. And you got to give the. You know, we've been hard on the coaches, so you. Well, I'm going to give them a little props here for that. Second 
half adjustment where they went with his own read. It was basically his own pass option. And and Max did a tremendous job talking about keeping it on the run, making the pass. And going to what UTEP defense talked about on my post on Sunday is how effective UTEP is running out of the shotgun more than they are under center. And that really got me thinking because you think about the 90-yard run that Aaron Jones had Texas Tech, that was out of the shotgun. Some of you know, and and the first thing that jumped to mind was last year's UTSA game. We ran a lot out of the shotgun, and AJ had a field day on them boys. And that's really not singling out UTSA. Just that's the first thing that came to mind when the last time that UTEP was able to run out of the shotgun. And that's really why I want us that zone read. If we can go into that zone read offense, I like that because you're getting your best athlete. You're getting your one of your best athletes is Ryan Metz to touch the ball. And, and not only that, but if if we see Kavika Johnson as a running back, if we see more Autre Golton as a running back, that's a lot of speed back there that you got to account for. Going sideline to sideline, you don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to keep it? Is it going to keep it running? That's really what they got to continue to execute. And that second half adjustment was great for that offense because, like you said, it let them play freely. And really, in the sense, you're letting the kids make their own decisions. And there was no bad decisions because if there was a bad decision, when you run the zone read, in my opinion, usually you turn the ball over. You're punting all the time, and we didn't really punt that much in the second half. We had some success. Mets was, what, 13 out of 17, 200-something yards in the second half. That's the scheme that I really would love to see them. Not Like I said, not so much a four-wide spread out like we've been talking about, but that zone read, letting the kids just dictate the defense. And, and a team like UTSA that's struggling up front, that could help. Yeah. That could help him either. He's pulling, keeping Ryan Mets has some sneaky speed. I'm sure a lot of people, ooh, look at Hadley. Oh, that's Jackie Bradley. That was Hanley Ramirez making that catch. But, but yeah, I mean, this, this is going to test not only our players, but this, this coaching staff to put together some type of game plan to get this thing rolling in the conference play because the, the schedule sets up nicely. You know, it, it, it really, really does. After this game, there's a couple of tough road games, but you got Rice, you got La Tech coming in here. This is a game, like, like we've been saying, it's, it's going to make or break this season. It really is. So, what are your. What are your key? What are your defensive keys from this game? We've been talking so much about offense. What would you put as defensive for UTEP to keep themselves in this game? And I'm not even going to talk about UTEP winning this game. I just want to. See I mean, I think the obvious one that we've talked about since week one is just quit giving up the big play. You know, quit, quit getting beat deep. Quit letting guys get behind you, and you're you know chasing them. But um, I think something that'll be real big is getting off the field on third down. Like I was talking they're 37% about, on their offense conversion. So. so they're pretty good, but more than anything, we just haven't been able to, to, to get off the field. From our perspective, we haven't been able to stop anybody on third down. And that's just going to be big because that keeps you fresh as a defense, and that gives you an opportunity to make more plays. When you're constantly out there and you're just being worn down by these, by these uh, you know, drives that last 8, 10, 12 minutes, whatever it is, you know, that in the long run is going to hurt more, obviously. I mean, that goes without saying, but, you know, over the course of a game, when you have those sustained drives, you're just that much more worn out at the end of the game. So if we're able to get off the field on third down, then, you know, that'll keep us fresher throughout the game. I know we're running a little thin on defense now. We've had some injuries. We've had, you know, we're young. We've had to switch some guys to offense. So there's a lot of stuff moving around, a lot of moving parts. But if we're able to get off the field on third down, that'll keep our defense a little fresher. And I think that'll give us a better chance to, to make some plays down the stretch because I do think it's it's going to take a play or two at the end. I mean, this, in my opinion, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be whoever is able to make that play down the stretch that's that's going to win the game. You're, I, I can back your your third down uh, your your third down key with a stat. Look at Blake Bogenstrup, UTSA's quarterback. He has a 40% completion set, uh, percentage on third down, third down and ten and longer. And he's only converted one first down in that in those situations with, with one interception. So that's really going to be a key to keep this kid and keep their offense behind the eight ball. That's really, really going to be the key for me. The second is turnovers. This is a team that turned it over seven times against Oklahoma State. They're negative eight in the turnover margin. That's really what has took them out of it took out of the, in their first game on their first possession on his first throw of the season against Arizona was a pick six that went the other way. That is really a big key for the UTEP defense. If they're able to to, to turn over Bogan shoots and then get in his head, seeing this kid play some good football, and then once you start getting in his head, that head starts turning down. And he's a kid that plays with a lot of confidence. So that's really going to be a key for me, turning them over and getting our crowd crunk into it. That's going to be huge. You saw how those turnovers last week were able yeah. to turn the tide in our way. And, and our crowd gets crunk with defense. And we saw that last year. 
that really is the key, as insignificant as that may sound, is getting getting those big momentum plays on the defensive side more than 50-yard pass on offense and shaking these young guys of yeah. UTSA. And I say young guys, but they're talented. They have that confidence. So if you're able to shake that confidence early, I mean, this team is going to be playing how they played in this first couple of games where it's kind of, you know, in a sense, back against their wall. They're having to make plays, and they haven't been able to do that because they're a young team. Which leads to their penalties. They're most. Yeah. They're not. Neither nine point three penalties a game this year. That's really going to be a key. Playing smart. My next key. I'm going into already. Playing smart. I mean, a team like like UTEP that is reeling with injuries, that has so many issues. You can't beat yourself with these pre-snap penalties. Yeah. You can't beat yourself with, with these personal fouls. It's all around. Man. All you around. Just, clean up the penalties. Exactly. That's something that Kugler really. You know, instilled in a big yeah, way. He really, he really made that a big part of his system as far as just being disciplined and not giving up those type of, you know, those the free yardage that you give away. Not to mention points because obviously you keep drives, you keep drives going and that. Yeah, that's that's something that we haven't been used to under Cougar. It's got to get cleaned up, not just for this game, but going forward throughout conference play because that stuff can really, really kill you. A little couple of news. We're gonna have uh, Jared Kalmus from Underdog Dynasty, the UTSA blogger, the head blogger of UTSA. He's gonna join us. But a couple of new, uh, a couple of news drops that hit this week. First of all, uh, Donovan Walker, wide receiver, kind of little used, looked real good in camp, but he was uh, quit the team, and that was all Cooler would say. Um, and then Kid Miner dropped a nugget on our comment thread here that Luke Elsner is having back surgery and is gonna be out for the season. I haven't heard that from Cougar, but I definitely see a guy like Kid Miner who's always around. And I, I did see Elston actually on Monday at, at the presser. And, uh, you know, he he looked like he was actually walking a little stiff. I, you know, I I, I, did, I noticed that. It, I mean, I don't really know the kid or seen his walk, but he was walking a little stiff. So that is also something to worry about. And something I just want to mention uh, real quick, on kind of a somber note, uh, sending out condolences and prayers to the former UTEP defensive lineman, Joey Kramer. Um, this is a guy that we're really excited about when, when he signed. Redshirted, didn't work out here for whatever, but he passed away in a car wreck over the weekend, man. And that's, that hit close to home because my brother died in a car wreck and his birthday was on Sunday. So, you know, to me, it was like, damn, it you know, threw me in, in kind of that mode again. But, you know, our, our rest in peace to him and I think he was a good kid. Um, some recruiting news, uh, Richie Rodriguez, the kid from Eastwood. Uh, committed, got some sources that put me on that. I'm actually going to – I got his game this week. They play Coronado. I'm going to get a chance to see that kid. I think this kid's real good. I don't know if you have a chance to see his huddle page. This guy, I mean, I don't see him coming in and being a, a freshman impact. I think he, he may take a gray shirt. He may even take a red shirt. But two or three years from now, this kid is like that, that Oscar Golden type of mode that, that, that puts your foot in the ground and go. Very shifty, knows his blocks, played in the – it's kind of weird. He's, he's that – I want to almost say that he's like a system type of guy where he thrives in that in that spread, but I can see his speed and athleticism actually transferring over to Division One level. So that's really a good get. What's that? Six guys from El Paso already committed, nine in the entire class, and so it's it, it's looking a little well. But we need running backs, bro. We need running backs in this class. That is going to be a big need for UTEP in the offseason is to bring in. You might have to bring in a JUCO guy because we talked about in the open. Trayvon Hughes just has not been able to get going for whatever reason. And this is a guy that I saw in, in the fall really, really looked like he was going to come in and be an Aaron Jones type guy his freshman year, but he just hasn't gone going. So recruiting running backs to me is a big need when we talk about retail football recruiting. No doubt about it. I mean, and not just running backs, but nothing that we have talked about in the past is your your quarterback situation. Where do you go? Where do you go from there? Yeah, I mean, because obviously you found your guy in Mets, right? I mean, I would, I would, would think going forward, so unless barring something crazy, but um, beyond Mets, I mean, there's not really a lot going on right now. I mean, Garrett Simpson is one more year and he's he's out of here. Now we all if he if he flats to the we've all talked enough about you know that whole situation. But Mac Leftwich, I think you you've seen that he's just. Nothing against the kid, but he's just not – he's not – He's a suitable – and that's – we'll leave it at that. He's a he's suitable a game manager. Yeah. He's a game manager. He's not – he's not the, you know, biggest and best athlete out there, but he'll, you know, play smart and, and manage – which is all you can ask from, from him. But, I mean, again, really the only quarterback you've got now is is Mets. 
Um, Kavika Johnson, we don't really know where that's going right now. I mean, obviously they're trying to mount a running back. He could I could run know. for one fish this week and be, <laughs> be Aaron Jones' compliment. So, so I mean, story. yeah, I mean, I think that's that's another area that we definitely have to start to, to take a look and figure out what we're going to be doing moving forward. Yeah, because, I mean, that's – that's really what is going to be a big thing in the spring because if they don't bring in an extra running back, I mean, if it, you're losing, you're losing Jeremiah Lafasa, you know, you're going to have Trayvon Hughes, the sophomore, and then uh, Darren Lafasa is going to be a senior, and then you have all you have behind them is two walk-ons and T.K. Powell and Noah Segrist, and that's not a knock on those kids at all because I've seen both of them play very well and play very hard in practices, but at the same time, that's not going to really get it done unless yeah. these kids just make this gigantic jump, which, I mean, they both have that ability. They've shown that, you know, hey, they could probably be playing at a lot of UTEPs. They could be playing at Rice. They could be playing at North Texas. They could be playing a lot of smaller FBS schools. But you just – you have it, you, you want to get that hit. And, and we had it last year with, with that Johnny Forrest kid. Didn't work out. David Ham didn't work out. I mean, <laughs> right now that running back position is in an influx. It's in disarray. It's a quote, Josh Cougar, it's in disarray. And you've just got to figure that out. It's got to go through recruiting. I wouldn't be surprised to see in the next couple of months a bunch of offers go out to a bunch of JUCO running backs. But And another thing, too, is I wonder how selective they are. You know what I mean? You're talking about a run-first team, you know, that that thrives themselves on the run. What, where do you go? You go you, – are you picky or are you just trying to get any running back you can off the street? At this point, you may think that, but the way that UTEP runs the football, you got to be thinking there's more thought that goes into that. So that's something to keep an eye on here over the next couple of weeks. No doubt about it. Looks like we got a caller on the line, and I think we uh, we know who this is. I think is. we know who this is. It's been a while. Hey, what's up, fellas? In my life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're live to El Paso, Texas, and the rest of the world. What's good, bro? All right, not much, man. Just ready for this game week. I know y'all are too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's like me and Anthony, like on Mondays and Tuesdays with this team so far, we're like. <laughs> Fuck, man. And then, like, Thursday, Friday yeah. comes, we hit each other up. Like, it's game week, it's game week. So, we're kind of at in <laughs> hey, between. But tell us a little bit about the runners, man. Uh, four games this year. Obviously, everybody knows a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. But, you know, give us mm-hmm. some of the positives, some of the negatives that you've seen in the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the big positive throughout this year is that UTSA has kind of shown they can run the ball on anybody. Um, Jarvion Williams has had two fantastic games in a row. I think he rushed for about 90 yards against Oklahoma State and a program record of uh, about 185, if I get that right off the top of my head, against Colorado State. And uh, redshirt, well, I guess he's like a third-year freshman now. He had a medical redshirt, a gray shirt, and a normal redshirt. Uh, so Jalen Rhodes is like a 21-year-old freshman, and he's done a fantastic job as well. He's been extremely electric, and, um, you know, he's put kids on roller skates and has them, like, breaking ankles and stuff. So it's super fun to watch. So UTSA's offensive line's, you know, been struggling a little bit. The right side of the line um, doesn't have a lot of size on it. So they've struggled against this tough competition, but they've done enough to open up some decent holes for the running backs. And, you know, the running backs have started to take advantage of it. So as we get into conference play here, and, you know, UTSA is kind of on a more equal level with their competition, I, th- I think it's going to be fun to watch the UTSA team that can really run the ball the first time in program history. Uh, other positives, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard all about Blake Bogenschutz, who's you know, supposed to be our, our phenom freshman quarterback. He played a little bit last year, started a game, and then got hurt and got the medical red shirt. So he's back this year, and he's kind of been up and down, threw a couple of picks, had some fumbles, you know, typical freshman stuff. But overall, I mean, he's super poised. He's real sharp. Definitely the future of the program, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to win some games for UTSA down the road. And, you know, he's fun to watch. He's a real, real sharp player. Um, positives on defense kind of hard to come by. You know, they've put up a lot of points this year. Not that the defense has been awful. Like, they've been in some bad positions based off those turnovers from the offense. But um, re- really stricken by injuries on that side of the field right now. You mentioned the run game and, and following UTSA, like you follow UTEP, you know, you always watch out what everybody's doing the, in the conference. The deal was the NASCAR offense they implemented, and they came out in, against Arizona and just chucked the ball everywhere. So when you see this run game going, is it by design or is it kind of them just taking what the defense is getting and, and talented guys like, like Williams and Rose that you mentioned just kind of taking over and, and taking advantage of those carries? Is that what you're kind of seeing? Or is it said by design where they really just – become a maybe 
not a run-heavy team, but a run-first team in a sense. Yeah, I think throughout the season, I think they've progressed more and more into a run-first type of team as, you know, the running backs have shown their ability to, to get it done. Um, while, yeah, UTSA's and this high-tempo, up-speed offense, they still want to be nice and balanced. I think right now they're about 55% split between the run and the pass. And, you know, it's perfect. That's where you want to be. So they're, they're definitely trying to feed the running backs. It's not just kind of a, oh, let's hand the ball off because we can't pass the ball or something like that. Um, they're definitely trying to keep it all balanced, and I think they've done a great job of that so far. One of the areas that our defense has been exposed early on this season is is uh, in the secondary, getting beat along the deep ball and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, you know you got a few weapons on the outside, David Morgan, Kerry Thomas, Aaron Grubb. Talk to us a little bit about those guys and what type of weapons they are, what, what we can expect to see out of them on the field. Yeah, so David Morgan is definitely the guy to look out for. Um, it seems like he pops up on some uh, some vine, just destroying some kid every week. Yeah. He's a super electric player to watch. But as far as the deep ball goes, uh, it's gonna, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to watching in this game. UTSA hasn't taken a lot of shots down the field all season. I mean, you could probably count them on one hand, to be honest with you. Um, so I don't know if UTSA is going to try to stretch more and open up the playbook in that sense. Um, Aaron Taylor just had a, a great game against Colorado State last week. He had 69 yards, and uh, he had one gain of like 25 just off a short little hitch route where he broke a couple guys off. So um, I, I think he'll end up getting some snaps. I think he's going to get some more targets than usual. Kerry Thomas, like you mentioned, he's a very electric player, but he's had a lot of drops this season. Um, you know, a lot of fans are starting to be like, hey, can this kid catch the ball or what? Um, but I, I think, you know, he's he's another one of those young guys. It's going to take him some time to get used to the speed of the game. So I think he's going to start to hit his stride here a little bit in the middle of the season. Aaron Grubb's got a ton of balls thrown to him. I think he's averaging like seven balls caught per game or something really, really high like that. But uh, it's mo- it's mostly been like horizontal passes, you know, like little out routes and underneath routes and stuff like that. He's kind of been a safety blanket for broken shoots in a sense. So I, I would say the two guys to look out for right now are David Morgan and Aaron Taylor. Um, you know, if, if the coaches give Aaron Taylor as many catches as he deserves based off the last last couple of performances, he, you know, he's like real strong there. Looking at some advanced stats on the defensive side, I, I always have a lot of respect for UTSA's defense and their ability to create that havoc. And you're seeing very low having numbers out of the defensive backs and the linebacker. Mm-hmm. I know Drew mm-hmm. has been out, but what's been the big issue with the secondary? Is it just playing these these great teams that you guys have been playing, or is there issues that you can possibly see that needs to get cleaned up before conference play gets fully underway? Yeah, you know, it's been a little bit different this year because um, over the past couple of years when UTSA went out and played these big-time P5 teams, it was, they the secondary just got physically dominated. Um, you know, I'm having flashbacks right now to that 2013 Oklahoma State game, and there are a few catches where the UTSA defenders were in perfect, perfect position, and the receivers just went across the body and caught right over the little five foot nine cornerbacks. Um, so UTSA's got some athletes now. We're not seeing that as much. But the big difference is just, like, communication stuff, really. Um, the cornerbacks are doing a pretty fairly solid job up close on, like, those uh, 10-yard and shorter routes. But the deeper routes where uh, the secondary or the safeties and the cornerbacks kind of need to have that zone split coverage, they're doing a poor job of communication there. Um, that's where we're really seeing the breakdowns in the coverage is, you know, the guy in the post route and the corner route, you know, where they're breaking across the cornerback space. And the safeties have been a little slow to pick them up. And uh, the blame definitely goes both ways on that. You know, UTSA has got one senior cornerback and uh, Ben Okasha. Mike could be getting another one back in Trevor Baker, Trevor Baker this week. But, um, you know, they're pretty much freshmen and sophomores everywhere else in the secondary now that Mauricio Sanchez is out with injury. So it's a lot of inexperience and, you know, a lot of growing pains there. But, you know, they're probably going to get better throughout the year. Just, you know, like the rest of the team, they're just young and they're learning how to play at this level. And it's a big change for them. Uh, free safety Nate Gaines, he's shown a lot of promise, extremely athletic. But you can tell that, you know, he was kind of uh, got used to being the guy in high school where he could just play all over the field and, you know, just knock kids' heads off right up the line of scrimmage and still cover the deep ball. But he's been getting beaten that since um, so far throughout the season. So it's an adjustment for him, and, you know, I think the coaches are working on him with that. So that's a big thing to look out for is, you know, I know Ryan Metz has done a great job throwing the deep ball this year, so it's going to be UTEP's bread and butter if they're going to win this game. I know that about it, and it's – Sort of that, you know, that regimen that we knew was going to happen with TSA was what you're talking about, just growth all year long. And, you know, with the young team, you're going to have your bumps, you're going to have your share of flags and whatnot come out. But you definitely see mm-hmm. the TSA has been improved. So, before- 
before we jump into our conference USA power rank, how do you see it going down? How bad you got UTSA kicking our ass? <laughs> Man, I don't know. I, I I feel like right right at the end of last weekend, I was like, oh, it's gonna be a slaughter, you know. Uh, and then I started looking. You know, I think Ryan Metz is actually a better quarterback than what you guys had with Leftwich before. So yeah, although there might be an injury there, I think it might actually play into your favor a little bit, considering the type of team that UTSA is, you know, where they're struggling with that deep ball. Um, but I do think UTSA is going to have a nice game on offense. You know, they, they've had so many turnovers. I feel like they're going to get those uh, evened out a little bit. You know, just the bad luck might turn around, hopefully, when you start conference play. And, it kind of reminds me of that 2013 season where UTSA had a rough start. You know, they played some really, really good teams, and they were competitive, but really couldn't pull off the win, and then they go to UTEP. And, well, I mean, you guys are familiar with that game. I think it pissed a couple people off. But uh, so I'm kind of being <laughs> similar to that. You know, I think UTSA probably scored about 35 points. And, you know, depending on the injury situation for UTEP, I know um, – I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I think it's like a Louis Foster or something like that. Louis the, Foster, uh, yeah. Lam- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if, if he's ready to play, then UT, uh, UTEP will have a nice running threat. But past that, I mean, it's pretty tough. So I think depending on that, that's really going to decide how many touchdowns UTEP will score. So right now I'm leaning towards about 35 to 17 or something like that, UTSA. So there's your homer pick. <laughs> that's not wrong. I mean, I don't even know what to expect. I can't even you – yeah. put a, you put a way better explanation behind a, a prediction than I ever could. So that's all good, bro. But let's transition into the conference USA power rankings which jared is a loyal voter for what about three seasons now we've had jared on the panel he did the job for us nice. always helping yeah, time flies. For another consecutive week western kentucky checks in 195 points 15 first place mm-hmm. points overall are all the 15 points they got rice this weekend we've seen a lot of western kentucky jared how do you see this game with rice going this is kind of a really big game here in the early conference schedule this think yeah, so I, I've been surprised by Rice a little bit because I thought the defensive line was going to be a big weakness for them this year. They lost pretty much everyone along the defensive line. and um, I mean, just a credit to their coaching staff. They've done a great job at that position. Um, so I can see them kind of containing Dowdy a little bit and getting some pressure on them. You know, Leon Allen is out for Western Kentucky, so that's one of their big playmakers gone. And, you know, they've got dozens more guys to – and the ball off to and throw to, you know, they're loaded over there. But I think Rice is going to have enough to keep it really, really close, but I still don't see them pulling it out against Western Kentucky. Uh, you know, I said yeah, Western Kentucky was Western Kentucky to, to do what they did last week, to kind of convince you that they are the top dog in Conference USA at the moment. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. more than anything, I mean, definitely it has a lot to do with how they performed on the, on the field last week, but um, – I just don't see a lot from the other teams in Conference USA. They've had their opportunities to step up and and come up with some big wins to kind of um, maybe give themselves a chance to, to be up there in the conversation. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to say Rice was going to beat Baylor this past week, but a game like that is an opportunity for a team like Rice, who you expect to be in that top tier, to, to, to just have the opportunity to go, you know, hey, we can hang with these guys. Yeah, we we maybe not, not going to win the game, but you know, seventy to seventeen just doesn't say anything. And so we've seen a lot of that. We saw Marshall go down early. Um, we saw we saw Louisiana Tech lose a couple close ones. So it's just hard to say. But I mean, again, and, and it kind of goes like this for for a lot of the the power rankings. Uh, I know as far as UTEP goes, somebody's like, how did you move up? And my explanation was like, well, you know, it's not so much what we did as much as it is what the other teams didn't do. And I kind of see that with, with Western Kentucky. They're definitely taking care of business. You know, they had the one game against Indiana that they probably should have won, in my opinion. But, you know, that is that is what it is. But um, other teams just aren't giving them a run for their money, if you want to call it that. You know, other teams aren't pushing them in any way. Western Kentucky is comfortable at number one, and until anybody else does anything crazy, I mean, I don't think there's any way that they're going to get knocked off that perch. And I, I'll, I'll talk about my team here when we get to that number four team. But, uh, but let's move on to number two, Louisiana Tech, 176 points. Kind of an interesting win, a game that I was watching and, and kind of waiting for La Tech to kind of blow them away. Yeah. But FIU hung mm-hmm. tough, and FIU is going to be a damn tough team. What, what kind of stood out to you the most, Jared, when you when you've watched La Tech or you've seen stats about La Tech? Man, the thing with Law Tech is I still can't trust Driscoll at all. I just I watched that guy for so many years at Florida, and he was just god awful. One of the worst quarterbacks I'd ever seen. 
so he's done a great job so far this year, uh, no doubt. And, you know, Dixon opens up that offense for them so much. And I'm sure you guys saw the highlights he had from that game against FIU, and he's on another Monster. level, you know. Um, but I, I still feel like Driscoll is going to have, like, some costly turnovers for them at some point this season. And that's part of the reason why I feel like the West is wide open for everybody right now because Watek is definitely, you know, probably the best team. Rice has got a claim for it for sure. But I feel like, you know, there, there's still question marks there for them. And, you know, I think that turnover machine that's Driscoll waiting to happen is going to pop up at some time. And maybe that's me holding on to the past too much, but – and I don't know, turnovers is not a thing that gets fixed by quarterbacks too often. It's usually uh, a permanent thing. Yeah, no, because I, I, I was thinking the same thing, but when I saw him early in the year, I can't remember who it was, where he was just torching cats. I don't know if it was the – I don't think it was when they played that SCS team or whatever they played, but I was kind of – I was on the yeah, same deal as you, but I had to move on from that. But, now you make some good points mm-hmm. about that. There are the teams – I think they're the team to beat in the West. And a lot's going to be telling. They got Louisiana Lafayette next week, and then they go to the Dome next week to play the Birds. So, that's going to be kind of an interesting two-game uh, test for the Latte Bulldogs. So, moving on to number three – the Marshall Thunderbird picked up 160 points, a double overtime win against a really important game, I think, for them this week with Old Dominion to not have, you know, any type of hangover from that. Um, is that – I don't know too much about Kent State, Jared. Maybe you do. Is that kind of a, a, a bad – I don't know, a bad look, I guess, say, for Marshall, or is it still – the jury's still out on the Thunderbird? Well, I think for Marshall standards, it's definitely a letdown. Um, I'm sure their fans are pretty upset to go to overtime with the MAC team in general. Uh, but Kent State does have a pretty solid defense, and you know Marshall's breaking in that um, that Litton freshman quarterback guy. You know, so he's still going to get the hang for you know what's going on with him. And Devin Johnson's been banged up, and that's a huge, huge hit for them. I mean, Devin Johnson, I still think is one of the best running backs in America. Um, so he hasn't been a full health pretty much the full season. Granted, I, I still don't think Marshall is the team they were last year by any means. And I'm a little surprised by that because they were like my heavy favorite to win Conference USA this year. Um, but, I mean, that just goes to show what losing a quarterback can do for your program. I mean, it, it's not like Cato necessarily was like, you know, number one draft pick or anything like that. But I think he brought so much leadership and uh, just so much familiarity with the offense to that team, and I, I think they're struggling to replace what Cato brought from you know, more of an intangible direction than anything else. So, Anthony, what, where did you put Marshall this week? Because I, I personally had our number four team above Marshall. Where did you see him? Did you take any stock in, into their out-of-conference struggles or last week? Where do you have, where'd you have them in your um, – <clears throat> No, actually, I had Marshall third also. Um, and even though, you know, you see them go to a, to overtime against a team like Kent State, who, by the way, you know, they've had some, some success here and there, Kent State. Has. It's not like going to play the worst program in the in the MAC. But um, what Jared was talking about, the team is just struggling to, to, to find a replacement for Rakeem Cato. And I think it's more than just the intangibles. Cato – was the kind of guy that can go off for 400 yards on any given week, so that that's huge. But um, even with that, you know they're 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 powering along and they're and they're picking up these wins. They're three and one now, and that's something that only one other team in the in the league can say right now. Even though some of the other teams might have better losses uh, than Marshall, I think I still have them up there. As maybe I'm a little biased just because of what we've seen in the past, but until somebody knocks them off in conference. I just think that, that this team kind of gets the benefit of the doubt for me. And and, and that's where I always – when I vote, I always lean that way. But the number four team we're going to get to, I've been on their dick <laughs> for all, pretty much all season. The Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, 155 points. They check in at 2-2. Two and two, Tough loss to Illinois. They got Vanderbilt this week. I, I mean, the two or three weeks ago, you could have probably said, okay, Middle Tennessee is going to hammer Vanderbilt. But we see Vanderbilt is a little bit better. And, and I, I'm just in love with this Middle Tennessee team. I really think that this is the second-best team in the West, at the East at this point, and it's a loaded Eastern division. Where do you see the Blue Raiders? Are, are you on the Blue Raider bandwagon with me, uh, Jared? Well, I'm getting there. Oh, um, I, I I didn't uh, didn't expect a, a whole, whole lot from them this year. I thought they would go bowling, you know, but um, I didn't really see them competing in the East. But now that Marshall's kind of been – Slowing down a little bit, I'm like, hey, you know, they've got something going there. That uh, Stockdale kid, the quarterback, I mean, he's solid, man. He's probably the yeah. best freshman in the whole conference, I would guess. And 
uh, when you got a kid like that leading your team, I mean, the sky's the limit for them, and they've got a great defense. They're well-coached. Um, you know, they're just such a consistent program. So I think they're really going to start taking it to the next level. And, you know, I'm going to see how they do probably the next two weeks before I really jump them up to number three. I think I had them at uh, five this week. But, uh, yeah, I've been really impressed with what they've done so far. And, you know, they're, um, you know, the past five, ten years, it just says a lot about the program that is so consistent. And, you know, the talent level for that whole program is coming up. You know, they moved from Sundell to Conference USA. So they're getting better athletes. They're bigger, stronger than before. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that long term. That was a game against Illinois, the Middle Tennessee also. It was kind of like the way, um, not quite the same, but the way Western Kentucky had a lead on uh, on Indiana a couple weeks back. It really should have won that game if not for some, some mm-hmm. key mistakes, interceptions and whatnot. But uh, I watched some of that Middle Tennessee game, and if I'm not mistaken, they, they missed a field goal again, right? That was for the win? Yeah, I yeah. Think the, I think it was the, a, like the a 41-yarder, like 45 yarder. Oh, I thought it was closer than that. I think it was closer than oh, that. I think it was a maybe it was. But either way, these yeah. are the type of games that like you you need to see a team win. Like good teams mm-hmm. find a way to win that that type exactly. of game. Exactly. And that's that's why I have trouble putting a team like Middle Tennessee ahead of Marshall. Even though Marshall hasn't done it this year, they've proven it over and over and over and over on the big stage. And so because of that, they get the benefit of the doubt ahead of a team like Middle Tennessee. Until I see those types of teams, those Middle Tennessee uh, even Western Kentucky early on, it took me some time to kind of give them the, the nod, especially after what we saw in week one against Vandy. But, you know, Middle Tennessee had a big opportunity to pick up a, a win on the road in Big Ten country against Illinois, and, and they kind of just squandered it. And so, again, it's just until teams pick up those future wins and kind of prove themselves – a team like Marshall, for me, is always going to have that benefit of the doubt. Well, fuck both y'all because it's going to see beats Bender, but I'm putting them number one. <laughs> strength of schedule, baby. 133 points. We kind of touched on them earlier. They uh, they lost to Baylor. Jared, how important is it for Rice to get that run game that proved to be nasty against Texas? How important is that against Western Kentucky? Not only to keep them off the field, but just to give Rice some momentum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just to control the pace of the game. I mean, that's what Rice loves to do. Um, if you think back to that Texas game, I think Rice had the ball for about 45 minutes. Um, so, I mean, that's their goal. They want to beat you in the trenches. They have a super athletic, super smart offensive line, and, you know, they can find a way to just beat you down over the pace of a game. And when you're playing an up-tempo team like Western Kentucky or like how they're going to face with UTSA later this year, I mean, that's how you beat those teams down, man. You take the offense off the field for a long time, and they lose their sink, and they lose their rhythm. And, uh, you know, it pays off big time for them. So, that's, you know, Rice is just a, a great program, and I'm never going to count Rice out any year uh, for the foreseeable future because they keep finding these, like, six foot five, 255-pound kids that grow up on farms, and they turn them into 310-pound offensive tackles. I don't know how they do it, but uh, that's a pretty good recipe for success in my book. And I would love to drink a beer and a cigar with David Bayless. I think he's one of the most <laughs> no, no kidding, man. No kidding. Number six, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, 113 points. I want to say they shocked Nebraska, even though they lost, because I don't think Nebraska really – Nebraska mm-hmm. fans, they're not the Nebraska team. But I've been saying it all year. This team is going to be fun to watch. They open up against North Texas this weekend. What did you take out of that game, Anthony? 36-28, they fell. I mean, they were, they were down early. Um, they were down like three scores by half. So that uh, fourth quarter made it look a little closer, a little more respectable. But either way, this is a team that's proving week in and week out that they've got what it takes to hang with about anybody, especially anybody in this conference. Because, you know, you lose by eight at Nebraska. You were in a one-possession game with Mississippi State, who's now in the top 25. Um, so this is a team that, that has proven that they aren't what they've been for the last three years in the in the one in ten or one one in eleven, two and ten team, whatever it is. So they're they're for real, and and they're not going to be an easy out for any any opponent in conference USA play. Jared, Jared, you're a new CUSA fan, blogger, CUSA er, but you know the Southern Miss program. You know what they're about. Right. Are they back, or do you still need to see the conference before you can put them? No, on no, I, I'm not going to put them in in that category yet, just because they they don't have any high school talent on the team. I mean, if you look at all the guys that are playing for them yeah. this year, they've only got a handful of underclassmen. And, you know, they just loaded up on JUCOs. They loaded up on transfers. 
a lot of them with really questionable backgrounds. Um, so until they start winning, you know, big time recruiting battles with high school kids, it's hard for me to like really put them up that next level. You know, they're going to, they're going to get better. They're more competitive than ever. Well, not ever, obviously, but since I've been following the league, at least, you know, they're, they're not back at their glory days yet, um, but they're getting there. So, you know, if they can translate their recruiting MO, right, exactly. I mean, you, you can't build full-time with JUCO. 7-13 is funny because I had a, when we put out the, the power rankings, a North Texas fan uh, tweeted at us. He said, how can you put Old Dominion over North Texas? And I wanted to be like, so we're comparing diarrhea to regular shit stooling? Exactly. I mean, come on, exactly. Really, 7-13, I mean, you could really, maybe with the exception of Charlotte, because Charlotte's starting, to me, they're starting to show their true colors. Let's take out UTSA. Let's take out UTEP. Jared, tell me one team in there from the 7 to 13 range, and I'll run down real quick. FIU at 7, UTIP, we're excluding them. They're 8. Florida Atlantic, 9. Your Roadrunners are 10. Old Dominion, 12. Charlotte, 13, Charlotte 12. North Texas, 13. If there's one team that middle of conference play, we're going to be thinking, we didn't see that. Who could that be, or is there anybody in, in that realm that could be there? Um, I don't know. I, th- I think FIU's defense is going to keep them in every game they play for Conference USA play. Um, you know, they're tough to play against. Turnovers are going to kill you against FIU because their defense is so strong and they're going to make every possession just be a battle for, through hell. Um, I, I love the way they hit. You know, they're just a tough team to play, especially against, uh, you know, some of these spread offenses that they're going to see. They can really battle from an athletic standpoint. So I, I think that's going to keep them in game. And I guess even pulling a bolt, big upset on the road somewhere. Um, there's a tough team like that. Um, also for UTSA, I think the the 0 and 4 record looks really bad. Um, but I mean, when you look at it, they played three top 20, top 25, top 30 teams, and then a team that won 10 games last year. So uh, you know, I could see UTSA rebounding and you know finishing second, third, maybe in Conference USA West. And I don't know if that'd be a huge surprise, but for a team that's ranked 10 right now, that'd, that'd be a big step up, I suppose. There you have it, Jared Kalmus from Underdog Dynasty, the UTSA beat writer, blogger, and in and hot take giver. Jared, you coming out to EP this weekend? Oh, yeah, man. I'm flying out on Friday, man. I'm excited. I love El Paso. I don't I don't get the bad rep it gets. It's a great place. Cool, man. That's, that's smart to say that on this radio show because there'll be some people <laughs> no, I'm, I'm earnest, man. No. I'm earnest. That's cool, man. But, Jared, thanks for your time, man. Hopefully we get a chance to see you out here this weekend. Safe travels again. Thanks, man, for being awesome. All right. I appreciate it, brother. You all have a good one. There you have it, Jerry Thomas. Um, I was going to say, you got some very good takes. Um, the one thing I didn't like was his 34-17 prediction. <laughs> I'll say that much. I think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be – look, I don't know that we're going to win. I don't. No. I felt a lot more confident of winning it, about being able to win this game preseason before but, yeah. things actually went out on the real <laughs> yeah. field and started shaking out. But – um. But I think it's going to be a close game no matter what. I really do. I don't think they'll be able to hold us to 17 points, first of all. Um, not that we have, again, the most explosive offense, but they just don't have a very good defense. And I think we'll be able to get, you know, 28, 35 points. And I think that's where it's going to be up in that high 20s, low 30s. You're going to see somebody win by a field goal or a touchdown late, something like um, I don't I hope we fight. Yeah, I mean, I think we will. And I think, oh, that's gone. Bye-bye. Yeah. Especially in that park. Oh, nice catch. I love seeing when fans can make plays in the stands. That makes me just smile. Because <laughs> it doesn't count if you catch a fly ball or a foul ball over ricochet. So if I ever see you at the Chihuahua game and you catch one off the ricochet and you're holding the ball up, I'm going to flip you off. <laughs> but anyway, I got you off your top. Bro. No, man. man, it's all good. But I, I, I think it's going to be a good game, man. I, I really do. I think it'll be a, a competitive game. I think we, well, we will have to open it up earlier. Coach Cooler will not be able to go out there for the entire first half and try to run the ball. And if, if he does, he's going to find himself down 21 points, and a lot of people are going to be upset. But I think it'll be a game, man. I think we do. We will see a fight in this team that we've already seen in the last two weeks and not the last four weeks, really. Uh, we will see that fight in them, and I think it'll be a competitive game. I mean, you just you got to give yourself opportunity. And, I mean, it just – I just really want to see these kids fight, and I don't want to see us give up that lead early. That's just going to crush everything. you got to be – if we're going to lose, if we're going to give up and fold, let's fold late. 
You know what I mean? That's going to happen. But, I mean, I just got to give these kids a lot of credit for fighting and sticking through a lot of injuries, a lot of bullshit's gone on over the past couple of weeks. But you can tell the fight's still there and these kids, they still care about it and protect that home winning streak. I think that's something that, that Cougar needs in his tenure. He needs to have something that he can go back on and say, look, well, we won six, seven consecutive games. And that, to me, is important to protect the home field because we know – if you followed UTEP football your whole life, we don't do well on the road. So protecting and getting these wins at home has been big, and it's been an identity under Cougar. Evan, that's a program pillar under Cougar. It's no longer just something that UTEP does. It's something that UTEP does is win at home. And that's – I think they need to take big-time pride in that because you have – I'm not going to call this game a rivalry game. I don't think it's a rivalry game yet. Maybe the schools themselves. That was a rivalry, but it's it's not a true rivalry because we haven't had that one classic game yet. This could be it, but protect that home field. That's my number one important thing this week. I want to see that. I want to talk about a home winning streak that lasts into a couple of seasons because that's something that you can hang your hat on as a program. So lots to watch out for. 6.05 or 6 o'clock. I don't know what UTEP gives an extra five minutes for, but at the Sun Bowl, pack it up. Let's get at least 30 stacks in there. I hope we can at least get 30K. It's probably shooting – for the stars there, but I mean, it's probably about right. I, I would say I would say anything less than thirty thousand off a bowl win, even losing Aaron Jones, but in a conference opener where that could pretty much teeter your season. You got to get thirty G's out there, bro. But anyway, that's for the that's for the other news stations to talk about and and write about and ask cooler questions as well. But we ain't gonna get on to that. <laughs> All right, man. Before we go, real quick, give me the prediction. The road. Roadrunners of San Antonio, 45, your UTEP minus 35. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be a shootout. I don't I don't see UTSA scoring 45 on us. I really don't. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it'll be a 34-31, but I'm not going to say who wins. I'll text you later. I'll text you later. <laughs> oh, man, come on. It's the Miners. The Miners are going to win 34 Homer. But I like it because, yeah, I'm this week, so <laughs> you know, you go, you, 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 so quickly, you went from one, you know, one person that talks shit about UTSA all the time to being like all over their dick, bro, all over it, man. But that's cool. Y'all know where to find us. We'll end it like that. Facebook.com/slash minor rush, minor rush.com, SBN minor rush, gmail.com. Uh, what else? What am I missing? At SBN minor rush on Twitter. Holla. Poppy local. Chulo 915-21-88-35-27. <laughs> I'm at 38 Holla at your boy. We out.